This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. Uh, we've got a three-man crew tonight. Uh, let's go first to... Uh, we've missed him around here. The last couple episodes, the schedules haven't really worked out well, but we're happy to have him back. Uh, the familiar dulcet tones of Omar Mubayad. Omar, how you doing, buddy? I feel like I'm awaking from a hibernation that has lasted, what, seven months? Eight months? Yeah, it's been a little <laughs> while. You've been, you've been busy, but... Uh, uh, you know the the life of home ownership. It can be a real time suck and a money suck and yeah, a life suck. Don't ever buy a house. <laughs> Stay renting forever. <laughs> um, just head down, power through it. You'll get through it. I swear. Um, and uh, let's go to uh, Miami's uh, resurgent Spanish language radio star, Abel Yarola. Abel, how you doing, buddy? What's up, guys? Doing great. Glad uh, to be on. Abel has been very busy today, and he's he actually, if you were. Uh, Listening to this very, very early on, on Thursday the 21st, uh, Abel is appearing uh, this morning on Spanish uh, Language Radio in Miami again today. Is that right, Abel? Yep, yep. We should be on tomorrow at around 7.20, uh, talking Lockhart again. And uh, what, what station is that again? That's on Actualidad, so it's going to be for our Spanish-speaking uh, fans, um, and it's going to be on 10.40 a.m. Excellent. So, uh, Abel was actually uh, really on the forefront of a story that really blew up uh, this morning, and and so we're we're gonna kind of, as always, there's a bazillion things to talk about, but particularly this week, it seems almost every story has five different layers to it because it was just a few days ago that David Beckham and Jorge Mas were appearing in front of uh, what can only be described as a, a jungle at Lockhart Stadium, saying that they wanted to play the first games of Major League Soccer there. So we're going to work our way back to that. We're going to start today, though, with the controversy that has kind of erupted in Miami-Dade County uh, between some Miami-Dade County commissioners and Inter-Miami managing partner, Jorge Mas. Um, Abel, again, you were on the radio this morning uh, kind of sharing uh, for a a few brief moments uh, airtime with Rebecca Sosa, who's a county commissioner, and uh, the the late night tweets from Mr. Moss uh, this morning that we kind of directed people's attention to, uh, talking about the condition of Miami-Dade County Parks has become a real sticking point in kind of how politicians in the county are viewing this inter-Miami bid, especially in light of what's going on in Fort Lauderdale. And again, we'll we'll talk about all that briefly, but let's talk about the here and now. Abel, what kind of impact do you think is this, this is going to have on Inter-Miami going forward? Well, it has to be seen, first of all, as a positive move, right? Because they finally got, and then there's still the negotiations to come, but it feels like they have momentum on something, right? Um, for the first time in this whole process, they have a place where they can actually play. Um, they still have to go to negotiation, obviously. For once, they're also working with the commission, which is visibly excited to be working with them, which is not a situation that that they had in Miami. Um, so at the very least, it looks like this team has a place to live. But now it raises the other question of what happens with Mel Reese and will they ever play in Miami, right? Uh, yeah, and, and in particular, I think the the thing that I'm curious about is 
the comments yesterday evening related to Miami-Dade County mm-hmm. Parks. Now, uh, the Melry situation is not really Miami-Dade County's business. It's the business of the city of Miami. But considering how difficult this ownership group has had it with local politics, what kind of impact do you think this infighting will have potentially on a city deal for Mel Reese or any sort of political momentum that Inter-Miami would need in Dade County? Right. Well, it's obviously not going to be helpful. And just to remind anyone, um, anyone who hasn't, who doesn't keep up with this stuff on, on Twitter daily like we do, um, Jorge Mas went on Twitter last night and said, among other things, that, that they're told by parents that fields in Miami look like cow pastures. Um, and that's obviously been the sticking point today. And in addition to that, he said that Fort Lauderdale has just a better government process, right? Um, but obviously it's going to be a sticking point. So I was on the radio this morning with, um, I overlapped a little bit with, uh, County Commissioner Rebecca Sosa, who is, um, the commissioner for Mel Reese or Mel Reese is in her district rather. Um, and she was obviously not happy about it um joe carroyo i saw earlier in doug hanks's uh article doug hanks from the Miami herald uh said that it obviously wasn't helpful i think carlos jimenez tried to play it off as late night tweeting so there's been a, a pretty big reaction um against the way that jorge mas has framed his comments about Miami, which you can't imagine he's still that you know they still have to win one more vote right on the commission to to get their negotiations through and and it's certainly not going to be helpful, I think. Yeah, but I mean, at some point, he's got to be able to vent his frustration also. I mean, he's only human, right? You're working at this battle now for, what, over a year. You know, it's been a year, basically, or a little over that, since we've had the announcement at, uh, was it the Knight Center in Overtown? Um, with the banner and everything else, and the vision and the plan, and Jorge and Jose Moss coming in. And then it's been, you know, one city council meeting or one county commission meeting after the other. And everywhere they go, they've basically had the door slammed in their face. And truth be told, a lot of it isn't their fault. Obviously, the well is poisoned. But, I mean, you got to give the guy a break. I mean, yeah, you got to look at it also this way. County parklands, for the most part, aren't necessarily the, the, the best. They're not professional playing standards. Are they cow pastures? No, obviously not. But at the same time, there is nothing that, you know, uh, inner Miami can just walk on and, and play on day one. These things don't exist. You know, one of the best grass pitches that we have within Miami-Dade County, or actually the two best grass pitches that we have in Miami-Dade County, both exist on land of private universities. They happen to be Barry, where a lot of, uh, you know, professional teams, especially European clubs, come in and do their training before the ICCs. And then you also have the field or the pitch at St. Thomas that is in pretty decent condition, as we've seen for the last year or so, uh, where Miami FC has held their MPSO games. Yeah. Right, and that's... And that's- Go ahead, Sorry, Abel, go ahead. That, that's obviously, yeah, that came up today. I had, I actually had a coach who tweeted at me to, today to say that he wasn't wrong, and I know that the Miami Herald cited another coach in Miami who obviously there are concerns with the state of the pitches that people are are playing on in Miami. I don't think anyone, one of the, the things today that, that I've seen has, has become a controversy was um, Jorge Mas criticizing the political process in Miami. Um, and people, you know, opponents to, to this project, to Mel Reese, um, coming out and criticizing him for it as, as if any of us have, 
you know, some semblance of, like, the political process in Miami being this thing that actually works, right? So all yeah. he's doing is, is is calling out the truth, right? Um, and obviously they went up to Fort Lauderdale, what, a little over a month ago, um, started this process, went through the bid, got it approved, and got straight to negotiation, something which, like, might, it seems impossible for Miami to get through. I mean, it has been impossible just because the private land is being held hostage. And, and obviously with real estate, especially in Dade County, being as expensive as it is, it normally makes it a non-starter. I think the only private held property that uh, has ever been discussed or negotiated, or I wouldn't say negotiated, but discussed or even thought as feasible was the Stephen Battelle owned uh, Pepsi, Pepsi plant in Doral right off the Palmetto, uh, just north of 36th Street. And other than that, everything has been, you know, public-owned land, whether it's been city land or county land, etc. Um, there isn't any of that available, especially in Miami-Dade County. And, you know, in this case, yeah, Lockhart is not private land, but where else would you go? I mean, it, it, there isn't anything feasible unless you were going to go even farther south into the Homestead area. Right. And 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 just to something to, to keep in mind is the fact that they that um they still have that overtown site right so they're they're responsible now for the overtown site which they purchased so who knows right in a worst case scenario where they feel they have to play in miami they can't stay at lockhart um who knows if we go back to that overtown site right after it's been so forgotten and we've been wrapped up in melrose and we might end up uh, not where this all began but where we were quite a few paces ago that is that that's something we're we were efforting to get some representatives of Inter Miami on the podcast to talk about some of the burning questions that we have a little bit more thoroughly. Um, but one of the questions I have is what of Overtown? What what is you know they they have said before that they have no intention of going back there, that they have all but ruled it out. But at some point, are you really going to pick a modular stadium in Fort Lauderdale over? your home in Miami when your team's name is Inter-Miami. Are we really going to go through Miami Fusion Part 2? Um, a couple of things that this the last, the last 24 hours in particular have really brought to my attention is the fact, and, and I have been aware of this, but the anti-MLS forces in this county, I think, are generally, in terms of politics, in terms of actually pushing political weight, are much more active than the pro-MLS Forces now. This doesn't mean that Inter Miami can't pull off a uh, uh, you know a, a referendum win, and ultimately that that's one big part of the politics. But you have a small number of people really driving the conversation on all of this, and this small number of people have spent the last four or five years decrying how awful the political process in Miami is because they think that Inter-Miami CF is just getting the red carpet rolled out for them, which is a joke. Anyone that comes to that conclusion after watching this process for half a decade is lying to you. The second thing, though, is now that Jorge Mas has the audacity to say that, yeah, if you want to, like, redevelop parkland, you have to have a referendum if it, you know, is for a certain amount of, you know, residents or whatever, and criticizing that and basically considering maybe a change to the law and people are as you said able now rushing to defend the sanctity and purity of miami lawmaking it's a it's an insult to your intelligence that's the only way to describe it and there are plenty of people i know who are principled people who simply oppose the idea of any government involvement in any of this but give me a break give me a break the idea that you're going to get 
get up in a, you know, your panties in a bunch about the fact that someone's saying, oh, yeah, maybe government isn't the smoothest in Miami-Dade County. Where the hell have you been for the last 40 years? You know what the deal is. You know exactly how things work down here. And it's why we said on this podcast 14 months ago and said when Jorge Mas came on board, this is the only way this is ever going to work because he knows how Dade County works. And even he's getting caught in the mud here. Even he's having, you know, sand thrown in the gears. So, like, get out of here. People saying that, oh, yeah, you know, respect the process. The, the process has never been respected in Dade County. So, you know, it, it's, it's a, it, politics is a, is a game and it's an ugly game in Miami. And everyone coming into this situation knew it. And ultimately, it's a matter of who can get, who can count votes. It comes down to vote counting. Now, the other thing I want to mention that has really been 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 upsetting me. And I'm I'm a little I'm a little hot about this over this last week. I don't get really worked up on this podcast, but I have been. People have been comparing the deals in Fort Lauderdale and Mel Reese. And and we had mentioned on this podcast that the FXE deal was actually more comparable to the Mel Reese deal than the Inter Miami Fort Lauderdale deal was to the Inter Miami Mel Reese deal. But you have people now who are saying and, and that you know, competitive bid process, et cetera, et cetera, it made Inter Miami better. Why don't we have a competitive bid process for Mel Reese? These are two entirely different situations. And again, anyone who's not pointing this out is being incredibly disingenuous. The city of Fort Lauderdale has made clear that preserving Lockhart Stadium in some form is among the top priorities for them. They want a stadium on that site. They've they've received requests for people who are going to deliver that. At Mel Reese, this is a there. If you were to put out an open bid, you possibly could receive a better financial deal on the land. It's a possibility, but then there's no place to put this stadium unless you're putting it on entirely private land, in which case the city will receive no benefit besides property tax, and you're kind of constraining in uh, Inter Miami CF on a lot that may not be what they have in mind. Now, you can still oppose that. You can oppose the idea of the stadium at Mel Reese. But to say that, oh, opening up to a competitive bid process will make this deal better for a better stadium, it won't because they're, we're not talking apples and apples. We're talking two different or, or three or five or ten different proposals that don't stack up to one another evenly. And so, yeah, if it's about dollars and cents, then tear the golf course down and put an office park there or, an, or a full mall there. That's not what Inter-Miami has proposed. And I'm, I'm not, again, I support the proposal at Mel Reese. I think it's a good idea. But I understand why people wouldn't. But let's be honest in our debate. Let's be honest in our discussion. That's what has co- one of the big factors that has caused this to go on so long. And I promise I'll take 10 more seconds and wrap up because I'm ranting. But the idea that so many people are so misinformed about what this deal is and isn't is poisoning the well. And government officials are not helping this process. And it, it could be, as Omar pointed out, it could be a little bit understandable if Jorge Mas is taking to Twitter at 1 a.m. on a Wednesday or early Thursday morning and basically saying, how the hell am I supposed to get this done? Every time I do anything in this county, it gets shut down. Absolutely. And and the thing about, the thing about Mel Reese, too, is that as they've discussed – putting the stadium there, right, and and the actual golf course and how it performs and everything, what they've done is highlight uh, really how little importance the, the golf course is to Miami, I guess, to put it a little sharply. Um, it doesn't perform that well. It doesn't make that much money. It is not. It is a public golf course, but it is not a public green space. It is a, pay, a place that you have to pay 
I think over eighty bucks, right? If I remember correctly, to get in. That's about right. Which, yes. which is which is ridiculous, right? And so all that they've done is they have identified Maury's as a site, which whether it gets the stadium or not, is going to be redeveloped, right? Joe Carroyo is already talking about let's figure out if we're going to do a stadium or not, and if we don't do a stadium, then I'm going to put a bid for a mall there, right? So Maury's is, is seemingly going away one way or another, um, and that's something that's that's lost in this fight is that it, it's not exactly the most valuable. Uh, facility that that is being kept up right now right by the city of Miami. yeah but one commissioner stance and one commissioner's viewpoint and he's had a you know an axe to grind with mel reese uh for years even you know when even when his first stint with the city commission so this is not something that i feel is um I don't think it goes to the aspect of what you're saying. I don't think it's gone one way or another. I think the main way that it is going to go is if the stadium deal does, you know, come through and and then Jorge Mas finally wins the approval of the dais. But I think the biggest thing and, and what a lot of people are realizing now, and you're seeing the conversation on Twitter happening is, and on different social medias is, well, now that Fort Lauderdale has, is going to essentially be the base camp how much harder does this vote actually get in order to get those four votes to, to basically to secure the deal uh, for Miami Freedom Park? So let's talk a little bit about the actual vote that was taken in Fort Lauderdale earlier this week. Again, like you said, we're going to kind of walk back through all this. And eventually I do want to get back to the point where we are talking about the, the terms of the lease because there's still a lot of uncertainty in all of this. These are, there's still a bunch of moving parts. But we did finally get on Tuesday. Am I right? That's when the vote took place. My, all my days are running together. That's, that's, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, it was Tuesday. So, so on Tuesday of this week, the city of Fort Lauderdale heard, the commissioners of Fort Lauderdale heard from both proposals, FXE Football LLC and Miami Beckham United, which is the name of the holding company that oversees Inter-Miami CF, Heard from both plans and unanimously voted to prefer uh, Inter-Miami's proposal for Lockhart. Basically ending FXE football's chance to, to bid and, and actually negotiate a lease on the, on the deal, on, on this land, uh, unless Inter-Miami were to screw it up somehow. Um, it went to the full vote of the commission after the recommendations. Obviously, the same people who voted on the recommendation voted on the bid. They could have essentially said, no, we don't. We want to tear down the stadium and build something new. But as we knew, that that wasn't what they wanted. Um, so that is actually the first time Inter-Miami has really had a big vote in front of a commission and gotten exactly the result it wanted. Uh, because even back in, in July, when the referendum vote was taking place to put the question of the stadium on the ballot, um, they only got three votes. They really wanted four, and they still need four. And again, we'll come back to that later. Uh, but Abel, you were really on top of this um, uh, as it relates to the Fort Lauderdale City Council for a long time. Um, a- Abel was responsible for really making sure we had the connections to be aware of that the proposals were, were in place and, 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 and the city providing that information to us. So I want to come to you first about this as well. Uh, you watched the majority of those proposals being discussed and debated. Uh, you know, if you follow Abel on Twitter, which you should, uh, you I, I you have an idea of, of what his answer to this question is going to be. But in the light of day, when these two proposals came in front of the commission, coming into it, I think a lot of people thought FXC might have had the stronger proposal, even though it didn't have the stronger brand name. I think as the day wore on, 
that position flipped, and it was Inter-Miami that wound up having the stronger stance in front of the commission. Yeah, absolutely. And it was it was crazy to see that change, right? Because I think going in, all of us kind of had this idea of, well, FXE looks a lot better on paper, but Inter-Miami is MLS, and there was a lot of probably, uh, I would say, uncertainty, right, about who would get it, and we, we thought it might even edge toward FXE. Um, but as the day went on, their fortunes changed drastically, right? So as the commission dug into the details, um, it just started becoming much more obvious which side that they were favoring. And the stuff that they dug in on um, were the finances, particularly, right? How, how each side um, was planning to set up their, their business model there. And there was a huge difference, right? Because on one side, you have FXE, which was planning to go in um, with commercial space, with the fields to rent out, which is, that's going to happen under in Miami's plan anyway. But they were also going to have Top Golf, right? Um, their plans were to have retail there, which the, the city had the option to decline having it if they had chosen FXE, and FXE seemed hesitant to give up that retail. Um, and of course, they were having investors come in to, to put down the money for all of that. So their finances were on a bit shakier ground, whereas they was, uh, the city received assurances from MLS. The mayor said that he had spoken with the commissioner, Don Garver, um, who had confirmed that Miami had gotten the option, that MLS was committed, that they liked the idea. Uh, obviously, because of the, uh, of the single entity, I'm sure that there's different finances there, right, in terms of the the security that that the team would have um and so at the end of the day it just became obvious that fxe's plan and the questions they weren't able to answer just caused it to fall apart and they couldn't compete with miami on some things um where miami because they have the money advantage can just agree to things right or can put them on the table there was a small uh point of contention with a community center that miami wanted to leave space for but city of Fort Lauderdale would build out and pay for themselves. The city said, please, we think you should pay for this. Um, and Miami said, of course, we'll consider it during negotiations. So they can just sort of throw that kind of thing on the table. Whereas when it would go to FXE, it's different, right? They, they have a, a plan that that's, was both more set in stone and also more nebulous in a way. Because as it came out later, they didn't really have an agreement with Top Golf. There might be another top golf being built nearby. They didn't really have an agreement with USL, who told the city of Fort Lauderdale that they would team up with whoever won the bid. Um, so in, in the end, it was like you said, unanimously for for uh, Inter Miami. And what we saw was a completely different reaction to to David Beckham and this project than we've seen in Miami. I mean, talk about rolling out the red carpet, like. Um, the vice mayor of Fort Lauderdale this morning tweeted celebrating the anniversary of their election with uh, the article about the, the, the Inter-Miami project at Lockhart and their approval of it. The mayor of Fort Lauderdale yesterday posted an old picture with David Beckham about how great this was for athletics in Fort Lauderdale. So it was such a stark contrast to see how on board they are versus their reality in Miami right now. Uh, yeah, that was really kind of jarring and interesting to see a government official kind of happily taking their picture with David Beckham and just kind of soaking in it. Uh, it that that used to happen in Miami back around 2014 uh, when everyone thought the stadium was going to go to the port and that was that. 
And then ever since then, it's just basically been a slow kind of backsliding away from everything. Um, I I do have to say, you know, we spoke to JP right now uh, on the podcast. He was very open with us uh, about talking about what he thought the strengths of his plan were. Um, I I do think so. there was kind of the glaring omission in their proposal to the city of Fort Lauderdale um, that, again, we did have posted on our website. You can go and read now. Um, was the fact that they did not include a letter of intent from USL um, stating anything. Now, in his conversation, he basically said, USL will go with whoever wins the bid. That, you know, they had a tentative deal that they had to secure the location at Lockhart to actually get the team. So, in fairness to them, I don't think they were necessarily misleading anyone about that, but it would have been a little bit more reassuring to have seen it written down on paper. And I think that, as some of the critics of Inter Miami have pointed out, the commission definitely were looking to ask questions to trip up FXE football. Uh, but the problem is, when you come into a setting like that, you need to be ready to be tripped up. You need to be ready to anticipate what are the questions. You know, it's it's like uh, you know being in a courtroom. You need to anticipate. If you don't know what the next question is going to be, you're losing. And I think yeah. this and, is and kind Miami, of Miami. Just fell just a FXE note on football. that. I actually, I thought Miami had a major advantage in that. On the FXC side, interestingly, you had JP doing, you know, pretty much the full defense of it, answering all the questions. Miami has a team of negotiators, right? So it's Jorge Mas when it needs to be Jorge Mas, but when it's not, it's Stephanie Tuthik, who's their their lawyer and their lobbyist. Yes. Or or other people involved in the planning, right? So there was always someone to answer the question, to give an answer. And that was, you know, just based on appearances, that was one of the major differences between FXC and Inter Miami's presentations. I think, you know, we saw the same kind of thing in front of the City of Miami Commission last summer. And honestly, I think in the last five years, the most impressive that this ownership group has looked. It hasn't come at uh, Night Center, uh, or it hasn't come at or wherever they had that kind of opening celebration. It hasn't been any of the videos they've posted online or anything else. It was that commission meeting, because they had a team of people ready to go, answering any question, eager to negotiate on the fly. I mean, I still remember vividly Joe Carollo basically swiping in and saying, hey, that field there, that big field that's meant for soccer, can we play high school football there? Can we, uh, you know, can, can we make that a high school football stadium instead that's adapted to little football? And then the next time the commission made, met, they had new, uh, you know, renderings and everything ready to show it off and kind of highlight. That was like, you know, within a very short a turnaround of one week, having that ready to go and being able to commit to that. The same thing, I had the same kind of feeling with that community center point that you brought up, Abel, that Inter-Miami, oh, I feel like they almost left that in to be pointed out by the commission so that they could give it up in negotiation because they're not going to kill this deal over that community center. Yeah, of course no, not. No, so, not, not at all. Yeah, you, and, hold, you hold your ground, but you know you're going to have to give it up, but then you give it up and now you're negotiating. Now you're being a reasonable partner. And so I, I honestly think that in, when they actually get in front of a commission generally, they perform well. It's the time between the meetings where things get bogged down. It's the kind of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff that appears to start to slow down the process. When they're actually in front of the lights, they, they, they usually deliver the goods. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely are quick to you know concede on things they need to concede on and, and to keep basically you know the whole deal afloat, to keep the deal alive in a sense. The thing that does worry me a little bit is um, 
<clears throat> it's just how much Fort Lauderdale is going to want to push on this. Like, what 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 is Fort Lauderdale? Obviously, what they have to gain is astronomic, right? They're going to host at a minimum MLS for two years, and you know this is Broward County. The only other main tenant is uh, you know the Florida Panthers, and that's not even a deal that is well liked by the city, the county, or even necessarily. The, the residents uh, and the constituents. So I, it really is going to be as well, what are they going to try to pull? Are they going to pull a city of Miami? Are they going to pull a Miami to County where they're going to start pulling teeth to get every nickel and dime? Or are they just kind of happy to be involved? I think that's going to be the big thing going, uh, going down the road. So this is now established. And really, I think the, the, the ace in the hole that a lot of us anticipated might be the ace in the hole but the 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 escape valve, the you know the lifeboat, whatever you want to call it, that really kind of gave Inter Miami a lot of momentum heading into this vote was the announcement uh, last week that the team does intend to play its first two seasons at this renovated Lockhart Stadium. The renderings for the stadium have always been in question ever since they were released last month. When people took a look at it and said that's an eighteen thousand seat canopied stadium. For a reserve side, there's no reserve side that needs half those seats, um, and so this was obviously or a quarter, yeah. And so this was obviously something that people had been kind of saying, "Well, I wonder if they want to do this." And you know, in kind of a surprise move, Jorge Moss, David Beckham swoop into Lockhart, the current Lockhart Stadium, you know, overgrowth of bushes and all, and basically announced their intention to build this stadium in from now, basically 12 months, you know, three months of clearing the lot, nine months of construction, and having an 18,000 seat stadium ready to go for the beginning of the MLS 2020 season. Um, it is an ambitious construction project. It's not unprecedented, but it is ambitious. Um, you know, we have discussed on this podcast for a very long time now where the temporary venue would be. A lot of us assumed Hard Rock Stadium, but as was pointed out, the moving of the Miami Open uh, to Hard Rock Stadium complicated factors a bit. We've talked about FIU Stadium, but as we know, with Ricardo Silva and Miami FC, there are some contractual issues there that would not make them that eager to help out. Um, Marlins Park is a baseball stadium, and the Marlins ruled themselves out of the running. And so at some point it was going to be either FAU or this. And credit to our friend, everyone's favorite Welshman, Lee Eifens, who predicted back in October that it would actually be a really good spot to do it as a temporary venue. Um, didn't anticipate all of this, I don't think, but uh, you know this is, this is where we're at now. Uh, gentlemen, what kind of impact do you think this has on Inter-Miami coming out and coming into the MLS? And how much do you think it's a possibility that this winds up becoming a longer-term home, longer than two years for Inter-Miami. Well, I'm going to jump on this one. I'm going to jump on this one because I'm, I'm starting to kind of see the writing on the wall here a little bit. And let's go back to the origin of all of this. MLS's need to have uh, essentially a soccer-specific stadium built within city limits, that's something that MLS did not want uh, to negotiate with. That's something they wanted steadfast on. If they wanted a team in Miami, it had to be within the city limits because they've kind of gone through this before, if you guys remember. So, um, truth be told, within the city limits of Miami, which is not necessarily even culture-defining because anybody who knows the area, as most of our local listeners, um, it's a giant urban sprawl. I mean, it's just it, there's not even hardly a distinction from one neighborhood to another. 
Uh, and it's not like your traditional American city with a beltway and then having suburbs surrounding the city. Uh, basically, it's city life as far as you can go. Even the suburbs are part of the city. Um, so there's that aspect to it. Now, can it be longer than two years? Listen, I fully expect that Miami, Inner Miami is going to be um, at Lockhart Stadium for more than two seasons. Uh, and, and honestly, I'm... I have some some concerns about whether or not they can actually start play in uh, March of 2020 at Lockhart Stadium. Because, listen, I started my collegiate uh, academia, my collegiate academia career uh, studying civil engineering. That permitting process is not going to be quick. Those plans need to be reviewed two, three different times by different departments. I have a hard, hard, hard time believing that they're going to be able to knock down... Uh, the the Lockhart site now and then rebuild it in their image in that short amount of time and and yeah modular stadiums you know are capable of doing so given the way that their construction is made but I don't know man less than 12 months here and and you're telling me that you're going to be able to clear that site in three months and turn around in nine months if anybody can do it it is the Mastec company but you are really really talking about you know working 18 hour days seven days a week just to get something of that magnitude completed yeah I think one of the one of the things they they did mention just on that note about the stadium is that it's not I guess because it's a modular stadium it's built off site and brought there and it's not built there. Um, this is what he said on Tuesday actually at that presentation. And so I don't know anything about how that process works. So I was interested to hear that. Um, but apart from that, I think the location is going to be for two seasons. It'll be okay, right? People will accept it. Um, I think personally that they have to play in Miami at some point and they might get stuck in Fort Lauderdale for a couple of years. Um, but it's going to become unacceptable. I think at some point for a team called inter Miami to play in Fort Lauderdale. And that's something that I've seen shared pretty often this week by some pretty reasonable people. Um, and it's hard to disagree with that. But- as much as, as much as we say that it's, for example, Lockhart is in a good location. It's well located because it's by the highways and people can take the Bright Line or they can take Amtrak or whatever. If you take Amtrak, right, or, or the train tri-rail, from, tri-rail. From, from downtown, the tri-rail, sorry, um, from downtown, it, it still would take you, I believe, well over an hour and a half to get to Lockhart, right? So it's a three-hour round trip if you're lucky enough to live downtown or, or buy a metro line. Um, if you live out in Hialeah like me or... or west like you like the rest of you guys do also um we know it's going to be an ordeal to get up there right i live the closest and in traffic it could take me an hour to get to lockhart and i don't think that's going to be sustainable um people are going to expect their miami team to be in miami uh at some point and to draw fans from from miami and i think that's something that they're going to have to wrestle with and or be honest with but I mean, that I, I would understand that in that theory in a vacuum is if, if nobody lived in Broward County and your entire ticket holder base is coming from, you know, Miami-Dade County and then having to secede to travel. But at the same time, like, you're going to have people come from coming from Palm Beach. You're going to have people coming from Broward. You're going to have people coming from Miami. So it's going to be just a situation of balancing the game times and the dates because if you're going to all of a sudden have kickoff, let's say, at 7 p.m. on a weeknight, yeah, your Miami-Dade County, your North Palm Beach County, you know, ticket holder is going to get the short end of the stick there. If you manage to have these games on weekends, 
look, truth be told, yeah, traffic might be bad everywhere, but on the weekends, it's much, much better. Um, and it's just one of those things where, you know, I, 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 I will say that, that in addition to that, it is absolutely a culture thing. It is not, it's not just, um, you know, convenience of getting there. It's, this is going to be into Miami, right? So they're branding. We've already seen their branding when it comes out. It's these shots of Brickle in different parts of the city, right? And as soon as they start playing, it's going to be shots of South Beach and downtown and Miami everything. And to have a team that's completely, you know, all about the culture of Miami, not South Florida, and they're playing out of Fort Lauderdale, that just doesn't, you know, yeah, I'm, but able, I'm, I'm able. I have nothing against, I, I, would, I love Broward fans, obviously tons of Broward fans come to Heat games and Dolphins game, people all the way from Palm Beach come down for those. Obviously, they're part of the fandom of Miami sports teams, but it's into Miami at the end of the day, right? It's but not into Abel, South Florida. I, Abel, I get it. I get it, man. I get it. But, I mean, are the Miami Dolphins any less Miami because they play on the county line? Well, they play in Miami, though. That's the point, right? They play on the right side of the county line. Okay, but, but if, if, they, if their stadium was in Miramar, if the county line was moved down by half a mile, let's say, or would they any, would they be any less Miami? Yeah, fuck that. Sorry, can we swear on the podcast? Yeah, sure. Why not? Because I think I, Abel, I think I'm inclined to agree with you because I, I it's I've, it's just a culture thing. It's a Miami team. It should be in Miami. That's just that's just my opinion. Okay, so I'm going to jump in on this because I, I'm I'm clearly in an agitated mood tonight. I started off with a rant. I'm going to start another one now, and I might anger some of our fine folks in Broward who I. Love and respect, and had there are a lot of passionate soccer people in Broward County, a ton. There's a lot of soccer history in Broward County, but there are a lot of reasons why the history of South Florida soccer has been centered so much in Broward County, and none of them have to deal with the fact that the fans in Broward are so much better and the fans in Miami are so much worse. Let's look at the facts of how soccer has worked in this part of the country for the last 40 years. The Miami Toros, we're going to go all the way back there, play at the Orange Bowl before the soccer boom, before Pelé arrives, and struggles, as had every soccer team basically in Florida prior to that. The team moves to Fort Lauderdale because in fairness to the city, they are more receptive to soccer, and the team was going to fold otherwise because the Orange Bowl was much too large of a venue. They are sitting on the the gold mine, the right place at the right time, because the NSL ascends to this, you know, global stature league, and they get to ride the wave until it crashes, and then their team relocates to Minnesota, just like the team in Miami would have relocated, just like any other team would have relocated, because the league was dying, just like the league boomed, it busted. That's a familiar story in South Florida. For the next. 25 years there's an established fan culture but virtually no growth when does it begin to grow again when american soccer starts to grow again there is far too much nostalgia in this discussion and not nearly enough acknowledgement of what factors are driving this discussion really in the first place i think there's far less of a reason why mls would go to broward uh related to its its wonderful soccer which it does have. And I think it's much more inclined to the fact that the per capita wealth of a household in Broward is higher than that of Dade County. That's what I think is happening here. And able to go to your point, I think if this ownership group decides to put that team in Broward County, they're going to launder the culture and the name recognition of our city through Broward County. 
I think that's the only way you can put it. And I don't think it's acceptable as a long-term solution to put that team in Broward County and keep it there. And to go back to your point, Omar, the Dolphins playing uh, on the Broward Dade line, are they still playing in Miami? You tell me, that team of the 70s and 80s and that team since 88, are they okay. still the Miami Dolphins or are they the South Florida Dolphins? Because uh, the identity really of that team, which <laughs> arguably— I don't, want, I don't want to hear that from you. I don't want to hear that from you. No, but it's true. It's so true. Have, and I'm, I'm not a native-born Miamian. And so I'm, I'm, I'm telling you— that team had an identity in that Orange Bowl and moved to a stadium that they just now, within the last three to four years, even though the team is struggling on the field, there is at least an identity to it connected to that stadium. That stadium was, to, to me, a tremendous folly that bankrupted the Robbie family and set that team back 25 years. And, and a lot of that, I think, is removing it from the core of, an, of the city's identity. It's putting it out in the suburbs. I mean, again, what happened to the Panthers? You know, it does it connect to a fan base that exists out there and is loyal? Absolutely. Is there room for growth? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that can clearly be established. And I think Inter-Miami has a vision. And by putting the team at Lockhart Stadium, they are abandoning it then they're abandoning it for comfort, and maybe it's the only option on the table for them, but I hope they realize what they are choosing by taking an easy path here. But it's not even the easy path. It seems to be the only viable path at the moment, and that's something that is just, it's frustrating because I'm hearing you guys say these things, and, like, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate. Like, to me, for the most part, as much as Broward County, like, doesn't want to be, like, known or recognized as an extension, essentially, of Miami-Dade County, it, it is. It is an extension of Miami-Dade County. Yes, the cultures are some are somewhat different. And yes, like the demographics are somewhat different. Okay, fine, 110%. But you guys are sitting here and telling me that like, oh, because this team plays in Fort Lauderdale, even let's say on a permanent level, like it is like this massive fallout of, oh, th- this is ridiculous and this and that. I mean you know you guys are making notions about like how they're painting murals on brickle and that's how they're advertising it every time you watch a sporting event in miami they're showing south beach or they're showing brickle or they're showing bayside and it's nowhere near with the exception of the triple a any of these sporting events come on yeah and that sucks Everyone complains about that. Oh but, yeah, but the games in Miami Garden, for a second. and you're showing South Beach. It's 20 miles away. It's, it's okay, no- but let's be realistic. Where the hell are you going to put a stadium on South Beach? So like, come on, man. No, but I mean, my, Miami Gardens is not city of Miami. It's not even anywhere close to it. And and it, it's again going going back to to that. The, the, the construction of that stadium. There was a reason why Joe Robbie did it. He had a principled vision on it, and he believed that he was tired of dealing with the city of Miami and its politics, funny enough. And there was open land in a municipality that was receptive to it. And that's essentially what's happening here. But when you look at the history of the Dolphins, since that decision as a franchise, the value of the team has gone up. But how, how much do old-school Dolphin fans complain about the fact that they moved from that downtown location. It, it, it's a sticking point. And, and yes, if you live in Palm Beach County, it was better for you. But ultimately, the identity of that team changed, and things like history and things like location do play a role in that. Inter-Miami has a blank slate here, and they have a choice to make. Like you said, Omar, it may ultimately be the only option available to them. And if it truly is that, then they should put it in Broward County. But then they ought to change the name of that team because it's a misrepresentation. It's not in Miami. It should not be called Inter-Miami. 
It should be called Outer Miami. It's outside Miami. <laughs> no, DC, DC. Listen, okay. If this was any other major American city, right? If this was any other major American city that had a beltway and had defined suburbs around it, okay, I could agree to your point 110%. But we sit here and we talk about, like, oh, everything is so far, or oh, it's not even really Miami. Like, come on man like we're not talking about like we're going from like seattle to tacoma like you know it's just one of those things where if if long if the distance if we're talking about miami needs to be within an urban core or miami is miami because it's defined as you know the city limits then you know what kendall's not miami doral's not miami coral gables isn't miami then you know key biscayne isn't miami miami beach is not miami i mean i the way i look at it is this way you're giving me these arguments but then if I bring up, for example, LAFC Stadium, that's not within essentially. Uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm completely wrong. If it's not within a, the, the certain city core, because I believe it's a little bit outside of, of, of true LA. Maybe I'm 100. It's, wrong it's actually this. it's actually I think LAFC is the new actual LA Stadium. It's StubHub Center, which is in yeah. Carson City. Okay, Galaxy I, is sorry. in Carson. Yeah. So I had it. Okay, you're right. Sorry, I had it mixed up. So it, with the extension of, with with, with Let's go ahead and talk about StubHub Center then. Does the StubHub Center make the LA Galaxy any less LA? A lot of people, a lot of people made that argument. A lot of people still make that argument. Um, yeah, I, I think. I mean, when you look at LA Galaxy and the success that team has had in the growth of American soccer, I think you look at that club and you say they ought to be doing better. I mean, LAFC and they are the the new thing, but you know. The Mets came into New York in 1962, and they didn't take over for the Yankees and become the big, hot, new thing. They were second-class citizens because they were the second ones in. LAFC has taken a lot of uh, LA Galaxy shine and haven't done anything. They're, they're, again, new kids on the block. There is something to be said about located near the core of a city. And, and yeah. Omar, I do understand, we've talked about this before, I do understand your argument that Miami really doesn't even have a core. It's so spread out that, yes, there is... Uh, you know, population density in city of Miami, but there's also that in Doral. There's also that in parts of Kendall where you're getting a really high density population. My point is, if you want to put that stadium at the Pepsi bottling plant in Doral, I'm fine with it because that's definitely Miami. Even though it's not the borders of the city of Miami, that's Miami. And anyone who says that's not Miami is being pedantic. But Fort Lauderdale's not Miami. You know why? Because they remind us of it all the time. People up in Broward love to remind everyone that soccer fails in Miami and succeeds in Fort Lauderdale. So if they want to have a separate identity, so be it. But if they're going to take out that position, then I'll be damned if I'm going to have to live with it too. My experience is not from Miami, Fort Lauderdale. It's growing up in Baltimore. And my whole life, we dealt with Baltimore having football and baseball and Washington D.C. having the four major sports because Baltimore was the the you know the 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 moon city the satellite city around the larger city, but I understood that because Washington D.C. was the capital of the country and Baltimore was Baltimore. I understood our, I wasn't happy with it. I'm not a fan of the Washington Wizards because they're a Washington team. They moved from Baltimore. They left. I have no interest in them. That's why I adopted the Heat when I moved here. So like it's fine that we have separate identities and and that's largely what. Again, when we talk about the soccer conversation, that's largely what's been adopted. But if we're going to have that conversation, 
then I'm not going to allow Fort Lauderdale to be treated as the big dog here and Miami to be treated as a second-class citizen. It's not going to happen. I'm going to advocate for soccer in Miami-Dade County, and Broward can do the same, and we'll let the chips fall where they may. But based on every single conversation that Don Garber, that David Beckham, that Jorge Mas have had in the last five years, they have a vision of what this team needs to be to succeed. And if that team plays at Lockhart Stadium for longer, I'll even give them five years because sometimes construction can be tricky. But if it's there for longer than five years, that vision was sold either as something that turned on them to be impossible or was a lie from the beginning. And I think that people in Miami-Dade County are owed an answer to that. And if it means that MLS has to come out and say, okay, you know what, Doral's good enough, let's go to Doral, and Doral accepts it, then that's that's an acceptable conclusion here. But because, and, and I'm not going to blame the ownership group here, I'm going to blame politicians in Miami-Dade County and Major League Soccer. Because of the intransigence that both of these sides have had related to this ownership group in the middle, there has been no movement because there can't be any movement because they're being asked to be to come to a conclusion that's impossible to come to. But if the answer to all that is the ownership group talking tail and going to Broward, then I have a problem with that. I do because I okay. think I think that it's an abandonment of what we've been led to believe all along. But what if what if I now the counter argument on my end is this? What if I say uh, to both of you, okay, well, Maurice falls through hypothetically speaking. Doral's a non-starter because it's private land and doesn't want to get moved. What if I say they're going to put the stadium over at Homestead Motor Speedway? Are, are we going to? Are, is that still agreeable? Is that still okay? Or is that even more okay than Lockhart because it happens to fall within the Dade County, you know, county lines? Okay, so I'm going to give you a logical answer and a uh, civic answer. Logically, no. Civically, yes. Uh, I think that putting it at Homestead Motor Speedway would be a really dumb decision, and I would not do it as an owner. I think that is too far out there. But based on what this team has been selling, based on what this team has been built around, and the people who have been supporting it have been on board for, it's Miami. And now it's it's damn far from Miami, and it it well it wouldn't be easier to get to it, getting to Lockhart from where I live is about probably in traffic on. You know, if there's a weekday game, it's going to be about a two-hour drive probably with traffic. Like, it's going to be ugly, and it would be It'll be about the same to Homestead. It's yeah, exactly... but going south... I don't know. I just, the answer is probably different for you guys, but I'm, I'm looking at it as, as we're talking about it. I guess I live equidistant from the Speedway. It would literally be... It's pretty much exactly the same experience, right? Except that the traffic might yeah, be... Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is that logically there are more people around Lockhart than there are around Homestead because you're going right. to get population north and south instead of just from the north. But yeah, for, for me, it, it's the, my my civic heart says that's Miami. Okay, it's out there, but so be it. Well, you know, my logical heart is, yeah, you put it in Lockhart, which again, it's a business decision that needs to be made. I understand that. But then there are consequences to business decisions. Right. One, of, mean, one, of, one of the things that we haven't really noticed or, or that we, we've glossed over it is that the distance is a really big thing, right? And it has the, the potential to split the fan base. And what I'm talking about is two things. One, people have been posting recently, right, where academies are in relation to where MLS clubs play. None of them are as far from their stadium as Miami's would be from Melrose, right? Fort Lauderdale, we underestimate, is really out there for a lot of Miami. And in terms of what Miamians would drive, I mean, I know that we're used to driving a lot, but... You know, we were talking about L.A., and I just looked up um, 
StubHub Center is 16 miles out of the center of LA, right? And people already think that that's not LA enough. Well, Fort Lauderdale is 30 miles away, right? Or 50 miles, depending on where you are in Miami. So you're looking at a potential, you're, you want to go to a match, or you want to be a season ticket holder, and you want to go to matches often, and you have to drive uh, 70, 80 miles round trip every time that you go see the team in, in Fort Lauderdale. I think that has a huge potential to, to split the fan base, and then you're just banking on, at some point, having enough people in Broward to to fill up the stadium, and at the same time, alienating who you would think would be their primary target, which would be, um, you know, central South American soccer fans who live in the western edge of the county of Miami-Dade County, who would have benefited, for example, from an FIU stadium, who would benefit from Melrose because it's relatively close and accessible. Um, and that's a lot of people that you cut off because of that distance by putting it in Fort Lauderdale. Man, but I mean, listen, this is, it, it brings me back to this, right? If you are talking about a, a, a municipality or a region that is just incredibly dense, that does not have the ability to put a stadium without essentially taking over other land, it's there, let's put it this way. There's no vacant land. Like you need to take something over in order to build whatever it is that you want to build. With the exception of, you know, West Hialeah now I-75, where they're going to put the giant, you know, Mall of America duplicate mall. Um, that doesn't exist here. So to me, I look at that hand in hand. And again, I, I'm, this is going to be a little bit of a stretch in comparison. So I want you guys to bear with me here. But I'm going to compare that with the New York City area. I'm going to compare that with Manhattan. Are the New York Giants any less New York because they play in New Jersey? I mean, my honest answer, my honest answer is yes. Just like I think it's ridiculous that the New York Red Bulls play in New Jersey, right? Um, yeah, I, I, for, in my opinion, I do think it is strange that they adopt those identities and play outside of those communities. I, I agree. I've always thought, again, like... That's been the way it is for 40 years, so they now have this separate identity that connects with playing in the Meadowlands. But if I were a New York fan, and I know plenty of fans who, plenty of people who are Giants and Jets fans, and they describe getting out to that stadium, it doesn't seem fun. It's a hell of a long haul, even, and that's in the city in the United States that has the most expansive public transportation network. We have virtually nothing. And so, yeah, and, 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 and at some point, Someone's going to have to bite the bullet, and that's what Inter-Miami essentially has to decide. Who's, who's going to eat it? Who's going to have to suck it up? And if it's going to be Miami, for a team that has Miami in the name, that's a huge problem in my eyes. That's a huge problem in my eyes. I mean, so do you, I, we can sit here and, and beat a horse to death with this conversation, do you want to go ahead and segue over to, uh, you know, the upcoming Miami vote and the way you guys think that's going to go? Yeah, I, we'll we'll have, <laughs> I, well, we'll have at least nine, uh, twelve months and uh, two and a half, three years to to talk about this one because we know they plan on playing there at least until twenty twenty one. So we'll, we'll we'll put a pin pin in this conversation for now. But I think I've put up enough bait for uh, all the Broward fans out there to come and bomb my Twitter account. Um, I encourage it. You're welcome to your own opinions too. Um, let's talk about that Miami vote because that was something that I did want to bring back uh, to the forefront. Um, 
City of Miami is ultimately the the central player in all of this. Fort Lauderdale got its shine on this week, and the Miami-Dade County commissioners and the Miami-Dade County mayor decided to, you know, have a, a bit of a guest star role. But the five commissioners of the city of Miami are the central figures here, okay? Joe Carroyo, Keon Hardiman, Ken Russell, Willie Gort, Manolo Reyes. Those figures are central to this debate. We have an idea of how three of them will, well, how four of them will vote. We have an idea that three of them are supportive of the idea of be, of of accepting a negotiated term uh, terms to deal. We know that one of them is going to likely be a hard no, and, that, and that's Manolo Reyes. And that leaves us with Willie Gort. And Willie Gort is the commissioner for the the section of Miami that contains Melrose Country Club, Melrose Golf Course, whatever you want to call it. They need to get to four. Three will not win it. They need to get to four. And so that leaves us with this question, and it's been the question that's been in front of us since last July. Can Inter-Miami get to four? Will the developments of this week impact their likelihood of getting to four? And if they don't, is is professional soccer dead in Miami? Is Major League Soccer dead in Miami-Dade County? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in play, right? Because it's politics in Miami. So... You have on one hand, they just voted the other day, they resolved to vote on this by September because Manolo Reyes, the commissioner, wants to be on the record as being against the project by his re-election um, in November, or by the, the, the election uh, day in November. Um, but then there's no, sort of to, to borrow from, from Brexit, there's no um, knowing what happens if there's no deal, right? Um, and if there's a deal before, then that, there's simply no problem. So they're trying to get it figured out by September. Now, Willie Gore has a couple things that are interesting about him. One is that he is term limited. So he is not running. Uh, he will not be running. Uh, he has no campaign. Um, he really doesn't have to worry about blowback for voting for it. The other question is if there would be blowback at all, because obviously people... Miami, City of Miami voters voted overwhelmingly for Melrose. And with the exception of a very small handful of precincts, um, the people, the communities around Melrose voted overwhelmingly for it as well. Uh, so if it comes down to, 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 you know, Willie Gort having to make a hard decision, he can easily go back and say, you know, my district was interested in this. Um, and as for Jorge Mas's comments, I think people will get past them. Personally, obviously, people in Miami respect the Moss family. Um, these politicians have to come out and say, obviously, we don't think the parks in in Miami are cow pastures. Just none of them are. None of them are going to come out and, and admit that some of them might look like cow pastures because they're overgrown or whatever. Um, so I think that they will get over his comment. My prediction is Willie Gort's term limit will be incredibly helpful for Inter Miami at some point. But I think the biggest swing in all of this actually is Joe Carroyo, even more so than Willie Gort, because Joe Carroyo is going to sit there, as he's done notably time and time again, and demand and demand and demand. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, if he doesn't get one thing, he could flip and just say, well, never mind. Go go to Fort Lauderdale. You clearly wanted to have a deal with them first, which is why I think all of this is kind of crazy. And I understand that, you know, now we're really pushing the timeline here, so they didn't have a choice but to go to Fort Lauderdale first. But at, at first glance, once they were discussing Fort Lauderdale, to me, that was a major red flag because all of a sudden, City Miami's going to sit here and say, well, wait a second, 
Like, you're going to get land in Fort Lauderdale. You're, you're asking for this land. Like, why, why, you've got your land. Why do we need to give you this? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that, and this is something we've discussed, again, even going back to, uh, to last July when this came up. Um, Willie Gord is the swing vote. Joe Carroyo is the wild card. Again, he is, for a number of reasons, for a laundry list of reasons, called Crazy Joe. And when you have to rely on Joe Corroyo to get your deal over the line, you're going to have to pay through the nose to get it done. And again, this is, if if you know anything about the history of Major League Soccer in Miami-Dade County, it's deja vu all over again. Because the whole reason why Miami Fusion left the Orange Bowl and move to Fort Lauderdale is because Joe Carroyo had Ken Horowitz up against the wall. And and Ken Horowitz, who was the owner of Miami Fusion at the time, essentially said, screw you guys, I'm going home, and took the team up to Fort Lauderdale because Fort Lauderdale was more receptive. And there are a lot of echoes of 1999 and 2000 in what we've been hearing the last couple of weeks. Now, the other thing, though, that I think maybe will diffuse the Carroyo factor here a little bit is that uh, Joe Carroyo plays old school politics. He is a scorekeeper. He likes to settle the score. And Joe Carroyo has for years had this axe to grind with Mel Reese. It, this, he is, he has long had the, the like, uh, the, the, uh, the, the eagerness to get back at the leadership of this golf course. And yes, it's true. He has said that if they don't come to terms on this deal with Inter Miami, that they're going to put it up for an open bid. But there's no guarantee that he would get the support to get that done. And so, if he has the opportunity here to one provide, you know, a development for the city of Miami, and two drive a stake through the heart of Mel Reese, it will be really hard for him to say no. And yeah, he's going to hold Inter Miami as he did last summer. He's going to hold them up against, the, you know, turn them upside down and shake them to see what comes out. But I think when push comes shove, if he gets that opportunity, he's probably going to follow through with it. So let me ask you a question because we already said Abel thinks that Gort will likely join the other three from the initial vote and then become that fourth vote, the fourth yes vote. Are you and are are you do your thoughts align with Abel's? Do you think that this is going to get through the city dais? Um, it's really hard. It's hard to say because we. This is at, since he is term limited. We need to know what's in Willie Gort's heart, and and you know politicians usually do a pretty good job of covering that up. And I'm I'm not saying this to be. I'm not even saying that this is being kind of dismissive or 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 kind of harsh towards politicians. When you're a politician, you're representing your community's interest or someone else's interest. You're not usually there of completely and entirely of what you want to do. You you have you have other irons in the fire. He doesn't have that. He can do whatever he wants and doesn't really have to worry about the consequences, you know, besides maybe getting a crossword at the the Ventanita in, in the morning if he votes the wrong way. That's it. You know, he he doesn't have the voters to really worry about again. So if he feels this is a good deal or if he wants to go with what his voters want, he supports it. If he just hates the idea of it, he opposes it. And honestly, there's really no way to know that until we finally have finished terms negotiated. And even then, if they come to some sort of agreement, he could have a change of heart. So I 
if I'm betting, I would say yes. I think see, it gets across the, the line. But I think it's it's really, really, really close. And honestly, I don't think – I think that the negotiations are either going to break down or it'll get to a vote and it'll pass. I Listen, think that – I, I don't think Inter-Miami is going to go to a vote and it fails. I think if they I, feel like they don't have a shot, they'll withdraw. I want it to happen more than anything else in the world. But if the last six years have – you know, taught me anything or taught us anything. It's been that it, it doesn't necessarily work out the way we want, and and I really feel like there's going to be something. There's going to be some kind of caveat. There's going to be some kind of hill that the city commission is going to want to die on that Moss is just not willing to entertain because it's going to be one of those things where we're going to try to pull one teeth too many, and this is all going to fall apart. And that's honestly the way I'm looking at it because, unfortunately, we haven't known anything different in in the history of all of this, whether it's sports stadiums or whether it's MLS in Miami or if it's just this Beckham group. We haven't known anything different. And honestly, until we see something different, I don't think this is going to happen. I, I think, realistically speaking, you know, they're going to be in Fort Lauderdale for the foreseeable future. And I understand that's not necessarily the popular opinion. It's just the one that, you know, once I start really looking at everything, just seems to make the most sense. And if they do end up coming south of the Dade County line, you know, it's going to be on some kind of private property where they're going to end up controlling some interest or getting at a good deal. Because I just, I, I see the City of Miami Commission kind of holding this Fort Lauderdale deal over their head and saying, well, you got the land in Fort Lauderdale, like, do you really need everything else that you said you want to build on it now? Or why are you making Fort Lauderdale, you know, the academy center and, you know, the job host and, and, and where our office is going to be? So then what are we doing with every other acreage that we're giving you? Maybe the, the city of Miami says, well, we'll give you enough acreage for your stadium. Do you still want it? And then this hasn't even started, you know, the conversations of remediation of the land. You know what I mean? That's the whole other wild card here. We... We still don't have a shovel in the ground. And ultimately, there's a chance that that shovel comes up and is full of dirt that they can't remediate for the price they estimated. Now, back in the summer, they appeared very confident that they were going to be able to cover it and on on top of whatever the price would be, they would take care of it. But yeah, there's still a lot of questions about this site, man. Even if it actually gets to the finish line and they agree to it, it, it's, yeah, this, this, I mean, this, this, this process has sucked. That's the only way to describe it. It's It's been really crummy to live through. If you're a fan, I mean, yeah, it's just terrible because you're in the dark about so much of it. It's It has nothing to do with soccer. It has everything to do with, you know, soil remediation and lease negotiations and four out of five commissioners and all this stuff that's not soccer. It's just really... It's 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 a bummer. It's a bummer. If you're a soccer fan and a news junkie, though, like all of us are, political junkies. Oh yeah, it's, it's like, great. <laughs> plenty of content. At least it gives us plenty of stuff to talk about. I mean, there hasn't been a political angle that this soccer story hasn't touched on. Honestly, we've been county commission, city commission. We've been to Fort Lauderdale and back. Now it's gone everywhere. You know, you have all kinds of activists getting involved for and against. It's just you know, it's it's. This team will have been in front of cameras 
even after its first season, I think it will have been in front of more, you know, public access cameras than ESPN cameras or, you know, major broadcast cameras. There's so many hours of Jorge Mas and David Beckham just standing or sitting in front of commissioners talking about their plans. It's just there, there's a whole archive of it that's accessible. Uh, it's, it's a lot. It's been a lot. Should we go ahead and bring this one in for a landing? Yeah, I think so. Like we said, uh, you know, so much content this week, so, the last couple weeks, so much to discuss, and there's really just even more coming. We do want to mention we have been kind of uh, inter-Miami dominated this episode. We do want to mention uh, Miami FC coming back. We're, I think we're T-minus one month um, until the kickoff of the season against Miami United, so we obviously will have plenty of coverage about that. We'll be recording again before the start of the season and, and, and t- focusing more on them. We'll kind of do a season preview with them, Miami United, and the rest of the NPSL down here. Uh, UPSL is kicked off. Uh, we have been live streaming uh, UPSL matches. In fact, last weekend, three of the top five most streamed UPSL matches were carried by Magic City Soccer. Lee fans doing yeoman's work, uh, getting that stream going. We, we look... Uh, forward to really stepping up our streaming game uh this year uh you know bringing in some some new resources to to make it an even better experience for those of you who enjoy watching it um uh, drew was out there uh christian was out there too uh working on some commentary and and chad johnson's first uh official league game with boca raton that was pretty fun to see as well uh, so again just follow us on social media on Facebook at Magic City Soccer, Twitter at Magic City Soccer, Instagram at Magic City Sock, um, and you'll be aware of any sort of live events we're doing, whether it's a live podcast like we did last time or actual gameplay. Uh, you know, so there, there's there's a lot on that end. Um, any closing remarks? Anything? Any anything else we need to cover before again, like Omar said, we bring it in for a landing? Follow us too. Yeah, uh, Twitter. <laughs> at Miami uh, Abel. Yeah, Abel. I just called you Twitter. Um, Abel, can you tell? <laughs> Can you tell everyone your Twitter handle so they can follow you and be aware of when you're appearing on uh, on Radio Next? I am on every single social media thing that exists as at Miami Able, E-B-E-L. Miami Able. Uh, Omar, where can we find you? Find me on the Twitters, at Mubayat11. Uh, and I am also, again, kind of ubiquitously on social media at Matthew S. Bunch. Um, again, we're we're probably on social media too much but again with so many angles of uh uh this story to cover there's really never enough uh, space to talk about all the possibilities um so yeah again stick with us we do we really do appreciate uh the folks that have been uh with us from the beginning and we also appreciate people that just followed us yesterday uh in 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 social media and, and reading our content we we are striving to be even better and better in terms of being your essential source for soccer news down here in, in Miami-Dade County and throughout South Florida. Um, and I think a lot of people have been really responsive to it. And based on, you know, emails we've received, received a great e- email from Nathan uh, that we kind of touched on in the live podcast, but kind of been going back and forth with him a little bit uh, through email. And, and, and it's, you know, we got some really intelligent readers and, and listeners out there, and it's been good to interact with them. So, you know, keep and we've it- got a lot of 
I was going to say, sorry, Matt, we've got a lot of interesting things coming down the pipeline, and we honestly can't wait to share these, you know, things with you because it's going to be a game changer here at Magic City Soccer. That's as much as I can say for the moment. So honestly, guys, like the podcast, rate the podcast, review the podcast. Every little bit helps us, especially as we're trying to give you as much of us as we can, especially with as much content as we can with the limited resources that we currently have. But things are going to be brighter. Things are going to get a lot better. Things are going to get a lot more interesting coming up in the next month or so. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, I uh, I, w- I figured I'd leave the cryptic remarks to you uh, to, to, to figure out how much we wanted to discuss. But again, like, like Omar said, stick with us because if you like what we've done so far, we're going to have even more of it coming your way soon. And, and it should be pretty exciting. If you like soccer and you like Miami, Obviously, you should be with us, but there, there, there's, there's a lot coming down the road in, in pretty short order. We're all very excited about it. Um, so we'll leave it there. Again, follow us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast if you're listening. Rate the podcast if you're listening. That always helps. To borrow from Stu Gotts and the Levitard Show, subscribe, uh, rate, comment, unsubscribe, resubscribe, download again. Do all you want that me to tell you about ZipRecruiter? Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, all that good stuff enough talking from me although of course if you are listening at this point you kind of like us talking one would assume um abel thank you very much for joining us sir go and get some sleep uh, we'll hear you tomorrow morning thanks guys omar as always thank you it's very good to have you back on again and, and we'll be talking more again very uh, very soon hasta la vista baby uh i've been matthew bunch and this has been magic city soccer so until next time uh go enter miami Broward, Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> CF, uh, go Miami FC, go uh, UPSL Dade Division, uh, and go Miami Soccer. So is Davey considered Miami? Inter-Miami CF2 Roundup. <laughs>